Hi everyone, it's Del here from the Film School Vets podcast. I just wanted to put a small warning in the beginning of this episode to preface that we do discuss films that handle quite heavy subject matter, this including mental health, mental illness, suicide, and sexual assault. If you feel sensitive to these intense topics, I would advise you to listen to this episode with caution. Nonetheless, I'm very proud of this episode and I hope you do enjoy it. Thank you so much. Welcome back, everyone. Wait, wait, I need to sneeze. Oh my god, Dad. Bless you. Shut the fuck up, you do this, you do this every fucking time. Great, now I can't oh, I have to sneeze. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Every time I need to sneeze, Dave's like, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Welcome to the Film School Vets, a podcast where ex-film students talk about movies, the film industry, and of course, memories from film school. Welcome back, everyone, to the Film School Vets podcast. Uh, I'm joined with the regulars. The regs. The regs. <laughs> Introduce yourself, guys. Uh, all right. Hi, I'm Del, I guess. It's my fucking birthday podcast, but I guess I'll just introduce myself. Oh, wow. Myself. You just, like, ruined my, my little Yeah, intro. because you had the audacity to ask <clears throat> me to introduce myself. Howdy. This is David. <laughs> yeah. Howdy. 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 <laughs> God. Howdy, David. <laughs> Howdy. Howdy. Wow. Dave is here. What are we doing today? <laughs> yeah, what are we doing today? Someone's birthday is coming up. Yeah. All right, whose birthday is that? Uh, I believe it's Dale's birthday. We're Happy not going to specify. Happy birthday, 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 birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's my name? So what Jenny, Natalie, Gia Claver. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. Hey. I'm so dumb, I don't even know the lyrics of this song. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, the themes of this podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about Del's favourite films of all time and her least favourite films of all time. Oh yeah, well first we'll do my least favourite because I want to end on a good note because usually a bad film to me is one that like doesn't make me feel anything at all. Mm. It's just kind of a flat line and I think that goes for everyone really, whereas my least favorite films incite anger in me when I watch them. <laughs> like, I feel like rage <laughs> when I watch these films. And I was tossing it back and forth, you know. It was originally going to be A Rainy Day in New York. That's such a bad Directed film. by Woody Allen. And I, I literally changed my mind right now. And Dylan watched it today so that he could talk about it today. It's so bad. <laughs> but I changed my mind yeah. and changed it to a different film. But it was going to be that and this film called Elizabethtown, which is Equally bad. Similar vibes as well. Cameron Crowe and Woody Allen should be banned from making films. They're literally <laughs> so shit, but we'll get into that in a different episode. But I wanted to include at least one movie that we've all seen so that we could all talk about it. Mm. So my now my decided least favorite films, and these might be a little controversial, are the Dear Evan Hansen movie, which none of you have seen, which is okay. I'll just like quickly like talk about it. And... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <gasps> what? <laughs> you are attacking Don't the greatest so of all time, Quentin Tarantino? Because, yeah. So those are my two least favorite films. Before we get into that, I'll just say what my favorite films are. My top two favorite films are Silver Linings Playbook and The Perks of Being a Wallflower. But we'll save that like for the end because I want to like, after I like shit on these horrible films I'm about to talk about, I want to like feel better about myself later. You know what I mean? I'm going to quickly glaze over Dear Evan Hansen because y'all haven't seen it. It's a movie based on a really popular musical from like 2017. And it's about this like kid named Evan Hansen. And he's like got anxiety and like depression and stuff. He like has no friends and stuff. And he sees a therapist 
And his therapist tells him to um, write a letter to himself as if, like, he's his own friend to, like, kind of reflect on his life and day and stuff like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that sounds the, interesting. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this with I love the musical. Like, I think the musical is very good. Um, the movie, on the other hand, is literally awful, but we'll get into that. <laughs> then he's, like, writing this letter, right? And this is kind of not like a bully, but kind of like an outsider kid named Connor. And he sees that he's writing this letter to himself. And he ends up taking the letter because he's, he's just, like, kind of bullying him a little bit. Then, like, a week later, Evan finds out that Connor killed himself. And his parents found Connor with Evan's letter in his coat. Mm-hmm. And it's addressed to him. So his parents think that he wrote him that suicide, like that letter as a suicide letter. So then he has to, so then his parents think that they were like best friends. And then it just, this this whole lie happens and it like spirals out of control. And like, you know, you get conflict X, Y, Z. So it, it sounds in, really intriguing. And um, the film is directed by the same director as The Perks of Being a Wallflower, Stephen Jabowski. Yeah, which is why conflict I, Which is you. why I think it's a perfect movie to talk about my so least favorite movie today. What makes this film so horrible? Okay. Because the first the, thing. The, the director is. Is yeah, it, it knows what knows what he is doing. Oh yeah, because Burks of Being Wallflower is a good film. It is a very mm. good film. So the first thing I want to talk about, which is like the most obvious egregious thing about this film, is that Ben Platt, who plays Evan in the musical, has a great voice. He's very talented. He plays Evan in the movie. And he looks so fucked. Like, literally, like... <laughs> he looks like Play-Doh. He like, looks... Because they... Like, David, I'll look up a photo and show it to you. Um, that, that literally... That is the only thing I know of the film. Besides what the like the premise of the story is. He looks like he's got, like, some odd plastic surgery... A botched sur- surgery. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm looking at his face and it looks so fucked. It's because they're trying to de-age him. Bruh. That's what he looks like crying in the film. <laughs> He just oh, looks, he looks so bad. fucked. He yeah. So that's one of the biggest things that's fucked about this film. Yeah. And the and like the reason and like that got a lot of backlash was like because he looks so fucking weird and all the other kids are played by people that look like kids as well. So he like really sticks out and he's tall as fuck. So it looks even weirder. And his response to that was I'm gonna read it With out the here. Response. No no no. Ben Platt's response. He said, I think the reaction is largely from people who don't understand the context of the piece. The fact that I created the role and workshopped it for three years. Were I not to do this movie, it probably wouldn't have gotten made. And so I think my defensive response is to want to go onto Twitter and be like, fuck you guys. You don't even know that this wouldn't exist without me. Of course, that's not true entirely and not my place to say. All I have to do is let the work speak for itself. Ooh. Oh, someone got someone's got triggered, huh? <laughs> triggered. Someone's a bit triggered. Someone's a bit triggered, huh? And obviously, that response got so much backlash, and it made people want to hate the film even more. Yeah, like what do you expect? But I don't want to say I being, wanna... like, being a little whiny bitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly with entitlement. That's it. But I just want to preface that I don't hate this film because it's fun to hate this film. I hate this film because of how it disgraces the fucking nuanced story of Dear Evan Hansen. Because, like, it's kind of a fucked up thing to do to lie about being friends with someone that killed themselves. And the musical is, like, very aware of that. And he uses it as, like, a conflict for him. Because all he wants is, like, friends and stuff. In the musical, the ghost of the guy that kills himself, like, comes back to be, like, 
kind of like they have like a dialogue mm. and him and evan are like oh what are you doing like you're kind of fucking up my life and then he like even uses that to get closer to his sister and then he has a relationship with the sister and it's like really fucked but in okay. the musical it's like self-aware of that yeah in the movie they don't include the ghost at all and he's just like running around being a fucking sociopath manipulating everyone in sight and it just it makes us such a mockery of such a beautiful story um, I'm gonna wrap up on Dear Evan Hansen just because I needed to quickly rant about how much I fucking hated it <laughs> and it was horrible and awful and I'm glad that it's like failing like truly it's really bad uh, my second least favorite film is Quentin Foot Fetish Tarantino's woo <laughs> Ninth uh, <laughs> film, Once Upon a Time in dot 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 Hollywood, or is it Once Upon a Time dot 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 in Hollywood? No, isn't it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood dot dot dot? No, the dot 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 is before Hollywood, but I can't remember if it's before in or after in. Uh, I have actually no idea. Let me yeah, quickly search it up. It's Once Upon a Time dot in dot 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 Hollywood. Uh. I don't know why he does that. It makes no difference anyway. Tarantino, you're fucking dumbass. So before I go in on this film, I think you two should have a turn and talking and just tee up all right, what okay. y'all think. What do you, what, what, what's our thoughts on the film? Of We we saw it in the cinema, didn't we? We all yeah. three of us. I saw it twice. I saw that shit show twice. Anyway. <laughs> why? I saw it twice. No, because I, I saw it once I saw with it some once. other people and the, the people I saw it with were half an hour late. So the first time I watched it, I missed the first half an hour. Uh, okay. What and did they think of it? They thought it was shit as well. Oh. Okay. Which is, you know, I don't like these people at all, but they knew shit when they saw it. <laughs> like, they knew it. And then we, we us three, were scheduled to see it, like, two days later already. Mm. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I'll finally see the first half of the film. And was then, it worth it? No, it wasn't. It was still <laughs> shit. Anyway, y'all continue. Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't really, like, take much into it. I thought it was all right. Nothing crazy special. So what's it about? Can some of you, some of you tell me what Okay, so it's about a guy, Leonardo DiCaprio, who's like a, uh, like a failing aging actor in Hollywood in the 60s. Late 60s. Late 60s, yeah. So, we, yeah, so Leonardo DiCaprio is the main character, Rick Dalton. And his stunt, his stunt partner, stunt guy. Uh, but he doesn't actually do any. Brad Pitt. Stunts. Okay, yeah, so so the film is well, very he's just being hard and like fixes the roof. Yeah, he's just being. Oh hot yeah, he is hot when he fixes the roof stuff. Wow, you feel conflicted about the guys, that? Guys, like how, how how old is he? Is he like in fifties? He's fifty-seven. I wish I, so. I wish I looked like that. He's like quite old. Damn, son. Um, I wish I look I, I look like that when I'm 57. Wait, let me like double check. It might be. It's definitely 50s. Mm. Brad Pitt. I think he's mid 50s. Not 57. He's 57. Looks good. Um, oh, it's his birthday this Saturday too. We share a birthday. Congratulations. Um, but yeah, like the the film just like chronicles uh, the later half of Leonardo DiCaprio's character's film career, and. He's literally just failing at everything. He's like a Western, like so at the time where like the Westerns were like a lot more popular, and but they were starting to die out, and they're they're starting new films, and you've got like a Roman Polanski character, you've got Sharon Tate, Sharon Tate, yeah. A lot happens in short bursts, so like, but in the middle, in the middle of it, nothing really is progressed. So you go from Leonardo DiCaprio being all depressed and crying in front of Mexicans. And uh, they make a crying? joke out of that. He cries in front of Mexicans, which is meant to be like a thing you're not meant to do in the 60s. I don't know. Um, he goes from that to trying to work, to move to moving to Italy for some reason. And then he comes back and then the third... So, okay, I'm going to say it. The third half was probably the best out of all of it. Because what, with a flamethrower? Flamethrower, uh, just crazy like violence 
like in a short amount of time. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like, it's like Tarantino forgot to add his classic violent stuff throughout the film. Then went, and oh, shit. Put it go. in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, to the end. And yeah. So we talk about the story. That's what, that's what happens. Nothing. In terms of story, nothing really happens in, in the film. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, nothing like, happens. And like what you said, like the film is very good at convincing you that a that lot of stuff happens. That things happen. But if you if you look at it from like a further down perspective, like look back, it's it. There's not really much of a build up of certain mm. scenes. It just happens. And this is the thing. And I I think I would be less have less hatred toward this film. If it was purely for like, like re- regarded as like, this is an entertainment film. I want to go and watch this in the cinema with my buddies. This is an Academy Award nominated film. This mm. was up for Best Picture. It won Best Act as uh, Supporting Actor. Nominated for Best Actor. Nominated for all this shit. How many awards was it nominated Four? for? Wasn't it five or five? The fact that it is acknowledged by the Academy as an important film that could have potentially won Best Picture at the Academy Awards, and I think that makes it. That means that it should be of a certain quality, you know mm. what I mean? And that's why I think it's okay to have these criticisms that it wants to convince you that it's this amazing like whirlwind of a story. It's not, literally nothing happens. He is sad that he's not like as famous as he was. Also the idea that like, and this is like a problem with Hollywood. Oh my God, I hate this film. This is a problem with like Hollywood in general is that it's becoming a lot easier. Well, not easier, but easier than it was to like get shit made. To like put your shit out there and like be part of communities where things are constantly being made, and I think that there's an era of directors that don't like that they, that people don't have to go through the same hoops that they had to do, mm. and are starting to make films about the old times where where films were just where all you needed was a star and that was good enough, and nowadays you don't need you can't get a star in your film like. Like, and, and like, films do better without the same celebrities that we see in every other film. And that's sad. And I'm just like, why, why does innovation scare you so fucking much? And that, and that's just kind of like a subcategory of this, why I don't like this film is because it feels like that. It feels like it's like trying to grieve this era of Hollywood that was so like amazing where people just got stuff done and we told important stories and we had an important uh, like time or whatever. And I just feel like these directors are like reaching so hard to the past to bring shit back. Like what were the last couple Spielberg films? The Post? I literally don't know one. The last film I, just, I, I, I saw probably Bridge of Spies. It just bothers me that there's, and there's an air to this kind of feeling that these directors and creators have. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is absolutely an ode to the old Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, even, Tarant- even Tarantino said that himself. It's like, it's like my my love message to the I, old Hollywood. Think, That's his words. Wow. Remember when we could just beat up Bruce Lee and kill our wives? I think I think like the reason why it, it, I think he banked on its popularity was nostalgia of music. There's a big plot Mm, not a big one an important plot in this film that neither of you have mentioned and i think that's very telling of how little this film handles this are we talking about the sharon tate oh yeah storyline oh yeah we are Mm. um so you messed up with timelines huh (laughs) oh my god okay i'm gonna get real angry but we're gonna hold it in because (laughs) look okay so in case no one knows the context and history which I don't think... Did you guys know going into this film what happened? Yeah. Yes. 
what was his name? The cult, the cult leader name, Charlie Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Yeah. So this is what happened. So Rome, even further than that, Roman Polanski, um, big famous Polish director. I think he's a Polish director. Um, yeah, Polish yeah. director. Polanski, that's a Polish. Um, directed Rosemary's Baby. I haven't seen, I haven't seen it. It's all right. It's quite good. Um, other films, I don't know. He, in the 60s, was married to Sharon Tate after she starred in one of his films. I can't remember which one. Um, and she was pregnant with his baby. And one day... Um, Charles Man and Charles Manson was a giant cult leader, and he had a bunch of little followers that did whatever he asked them to. Well, yeah, so like the whole, the whole, I, yeah, so I like murder, like what, like knowing about murders. I and, watched Mindhunter. Um. Uh, nah, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm way more involved. I know, I'm, like, kidding, but like, I'm kidding. Um, so he 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 came up with this like like societal theory. It's called he he initiated this this thing called Helter Skelter, and it was a like a way of like oh, we must cleanse. The people who so this is from the film. He, like they quote this, like the people that like elicited violence on on TV. We saw violence and we saw killing. It it made us um, like in a, kind of like an excuse for us to do that to, to the people. So f- we fix violence by committing violence. Yeah. So his thing was like fucking because dumbass. we see this so much, they've made us like this. Wait a the minute. Man. So he's a... made a film about that. Yeah, that, well, that's how, that's what he says. <gasps> in, that's what they shit. say in the film as well. Like the characters, like correct, like don't like fully, that. fully quote me on like the exact uh, information on what I'm saying. Wait, like, did the guy say that in the real life or in the film? In the no, so in the film. So one of the 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 children of Manson, you know, the the, the girl in the black hair. Yeah. So she goes like, um, you know, a bit with like, dig this guys, you know, in the yeah, in the yeah. so like. You know how we see all this violence happening on TV? Well, maybe we should do this because we've been we've been like hardwired to do this throughout our whole lives, and we've seen violence, so they've made us violent. So we should enact okay. these acts. It's such a stupid take. Okay, I don't agree <laughs> with like. Listen, this is the thing. I don't think seeing violence on TV is inherently promoting violence. No, it, it's it's proven as well. Like there's dumb yeah, yeah. Like I don't stuff. agree with that at all. But I think, but obviously, like Tarantino's been in a lot of crossfire about his his like gratuitous violence in his films and whatever. A little fucked up, Quentin, to include that in in your film. That's a little fucked. Um, yep, they, they go in and they killed Sharon Tate. This, is, this happened in real life, this not the film. This actually happened. This, is what happened this in real did life. not. This did not happen in the film. Very much did not happen in the film. It happened in real life. They went in. They killed her and two other people. Yeah, like a group of friends. Yeah, they hanged they them killed. all. Yeah. They hanged them all, and then they like cut them down, like head to toe, mm. and I mean, yeah. they stabbed. So they did that to all of them, and they stabbed um, Sharon Tate in yeah, her. Yeah, they essentially stomach. cut like, like. like Trigger Disclaimer, warning. Disclaimer, <laughs> yeah. Um, they essentially cut the baby out and killed her as well. Yeah, it was yeah. intense. It was a very, it was a very graphic, a very violent. And she was like a, such a public time. figure, like beloved figure as well. So it was like a huge. And deal for it like to happen, that. and for it to happen, like the private uh, hills of Hollywood, yeah. you know, where all the famous people live. It was a big it was deal. That doesn't happen in the film. Sharon Tate's in the context of this film is this kind of whimsical little young hollywood actress played by margot robbie she kind of waltzes around town going to see her own movies taking her shoes off showing her feet which were very dirty dirty by the way her dirty feet and um and she kind of she kind of jumps through the time jumps a little bit and 
then she is pregnant. Um, and then when the Manson family are at, in their little, like, you know, hideout? I don't know what would you call that. They live what? on this, like, reserve. Natu- it was a ranch, yeah. The ranch, natural yeah. habitat. Yeah. <laughs> so that's real, apparently, as well. So yes. this is this is the reality of the film. They, the Manson family and Charles Manson lived on a thing called Spawn yeah. Ranch, and that's that's the that's actually the area of mm-hmm. where, where it was. And like you said, they, there's, like, two... I feel like there's two major uh, history changes. So one with Brad Pitt where he Yeah, Brad Pitt goes Margaret there Corley. to drop off Margaret Qualley's character yeah. on the ranch. And he's like he's like this so this he's happens like sussed out. Yeah, this happens a little very like early into the timeline of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh he he discovers like something dodges going around. But he, nothing but happens he, though. All this suspense. But, but, but it's the implication that like a group of people are living there for free because he knew the owner of the ranch. Yeah. And then and then he does something like he beats up one of them for like popping his tire and then he drives off. And then we don't see that uh, we don't see that t- uh, storyline until the last third act of the film, where it kind of comes full circle of what they were doing or what, what was supposedly implicated in. No, so they that leave scene. and get revenge. No, 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 they yeah, don't. They do. They go and they're what? like, "Oh, we're gonna fuck up Brad Pitt." No, 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 no. That's not it. No, no, no. The story is is that so this is still following the reality. Okay, not in no, no, no. Reality, in the movie. I, I'm, you know, in, so in the movie, the and this happened supposedly happened in real life. They go to the famous people mm-hmm. place, and they were gonna go to Margaret uh, Sharon Tate's house because Charles Manson, in a previous scene, like scoped out the area yeah. of that house. Yeah, I remember so, that. So they were originally gonna go there, but the fate of Tarantino verse yeah. put <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio's character. In next the middle door. of that, he's next door. Yeah, he's he's a next door neighbor. So he puts he puts them in the middle of that, and then those the the the, the people who were going to kill uh, the intended victim, but they go their, to hit... move to yeah Leonardo because DiCaprio. he beat the, that's what they are doing it like no no but they had no connection they they didn't remember because it's been like, like I know like a year so so they they just happened to Brad Pitt happened to come onto that ranch and like then they yeah, were like Brad Pitt mad. happened to come onto the ranch but they had no connection between Leonardo DiCaprio's character and Brad Pitt I know that's what I'm saying yeah so they see Leonardo DiCaprio and they want to kill him mm-hmm. and so they go and then that's when the history changes to them trying to kill DiCaprio's character mm-hmm. Rick Dalton and, and then they like fuck like basically Brad Pitt and Leo fuck them up like really yeah, violently they, fuck yeah, them up yeah they just beat the shit out of them and kill them yeah and they're and... like regarded as like oh my god these guys are heroes and then at the <laughs> end Thingy comes out fully pregnant and goes oh my god what oh wow and then they party in that scene of the movie I went to see this first time with uh what, four people who didn't know anything about Manson Sharon Tate really? at all really huh remotely they were confused as fuck they were like what is going on who are these people what is the significance of this which only speaks to how little sharon tate is involved in her own her own narrative and how little respect she gets in a story about her own death this is a weird little fanfic universe that tarantino has written for himself where he's created his two little gay besties that go around beating up cult cult followers is it confirmed that they're gay I think they're well, the gay. fan fiction because I think Tarantino that. would get mad if they were gay. So I want them to be gay. She is not remotely. She's just oblivious important. to. If any she was of cut this. out of this film, it would not change a thing. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we were saying. When he's we first taken it as well. her horrible. What we've discussed earlier. He's taken her horrible, brutal, horrific massacre of a death, 
it's you, not you parody. No, but it's like it's kind of like 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 you said a fanfic. So it's, like, it's him randomly wanting to rewrite history. He could have told the story without. You could have, like, it at about... most you could have done like an inspiration type thing, you know, like or and involve or or at least if you're gonna insult her 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 at least maybe have them like rescue her from it i don't know like yeah like, <laughs> or yeah or just involve her more yeah know? exactly she's barely in this you could have done a lot so there was there's, there's only one scene of like a somewhat foreshadow where charles manson is like scoping the place out and then and it's not implied that it's him and he's not even she's not even actually speaking yeah. with him it's a like hersh's character like who actually did die the cat the, the person in real life mm-hmm. the set designer or something he was a, or something like that. But and also like it, it's no not like connection. clear that it's Charles Manson. It's uh, the reason I, to. I, I'm sorry. I feel like it's like, it's like kind of like the way you, you we describe Joker. It's like mixing. Joker... It's like mixing reality and fiction. Yeah. And it's uh, like you say you say very well like uh, it, the film doesn't know what it wants to do. Does it want to be factual and like real, or does it want to stick to this fictional reality? I think it wants that's been to created? stick to a fictional reality. But it's trying to, and this is the thing, the Tate family have been like, we love it. Like, it's great. They're in support of that. Yeah, they're in support of it. And I get it because they're not watching their... They're not their, yeah, They're not watching a d- horrific yeah, murder you know? of so their So it's like, relative. of course they're going to fucking like it. Like, you know? And it's and Tarantino knew that. That's probably why he didn't involve him that much. But at the same time, why? Why? Just make a story about I suppose your it's, two it's, little... it's just a way to like draw audiences in. Like, oh, and it's also it's it's kind a, of like it's a, it's, like a, it's a way to involve Margot Robbie. Yeah, marketing. and to make a weird and to, you can still involve her somehow. I don't know why, but it's, it's weird that it's 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 all. It's just still weird to me because him and Roman Polanski are like really good friends. And it would just be like, imagine if Dylan, imagine if your wife died and I made a movie about her, but I didn't like involve her. It's like weird. I'm, I'm chilled with that. Yeah, you know, I'm <laughs> it's all just cool. really we're weird. besties. <laughs> it's just a weird fucking film and it is insulting in so many ways. And the Bruce Lee shit, I don't even need to talk about that. It's just fucking weird. Why is he such a dick? Why does he lose to Cliff Booth? Like, it was like, it was like a, real, a lot of real world like uh, scrutiny as well because uh, Bruce Lee's family were like, no, he never acted like this. And then, but then I remember something along like um, Tarantino or the team said like, yeah, they would like, or something like I, th- I think they're like they would say that because he's family, but apparently he was this or apparently he was that. So then, why like, why would they take credit for how great the Tate family have reacted? Then it's like you can't have your cake and eat it too, bitches. Also, why wouldn't Cliff just lose to Bruce Lee? That would do something for his character. He's just this perfect hot guy that killed his wife and gets on with it. Yeah, he he does. He's become what was it? What was the term? I don't know. Mary Sue or something like that. Uh, yeah, Mary Mary Sue. He can't he's just some happened. dude, and he won best supporting. I'm so angry. He won best supporting actor for this role. Why? <laughs> Why? All he does, the only line I remember of him from this film is when Lena Dunham, who is randomly in this film, don't know why Lena Dunham is in this film, she literally, Tarantino would have hated Lena Dunham, where Lena Dunham is like, we do love our pussy, and then and then Brad Pitt's like, we sure, <laughs> we sure do. do. He um, won an Academy Award for that line. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of a cool line, it's a funny line. It's the only it's memorable line. line in the whole film. <sighs> So what is are we going with your favorite film well, now? Well, do we have any final thoughts of Once Upon a Time, either of you, before we move on? I I, I think still it's an all right film. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, but it's it's, it's all right. Not te- <laughs> like not crazy bad, but I just I rarely would watch it. I just uh, feel... would never rewatch it. Like I watched it and I forgot about it. Yeah, I it. just feel a hatred for it. 
for many reasons, but specifically because of the Sharon Tate stuff. That's why it's listed as like one of my least favorite movies. It's because it's like, what the fuck, dude? You know? Mm. All right. So let's talk about my favorite movies. <laughs> I can't favorite. wait. Not, All right. Not the rainy. No, fuck Crap. that movie. We're not talking about. That's so bad. That. So one of my favorite films ever in the whole entire world ever ever and i think this is genuinely one of the best films ever made is silver linings playbook directed by david o pussy pants i hate him but he made a good film david russell um david russell uh based on the original <laughs> he makes good films like based on the original novel by matthew quick um which is also a very good book david highly recommend it's very good um, starring Bradley Cooper, Jennifer Lawrence, Robert De Niro, like Chris Tucker is in this film. Fucking um, Anupam Kerr is in it. This is an amazing film. So it's about this character named Pat, um, played by Bradley Cooper. And he has just gotten out of like a psychiatric, psychiatric institution um, because he has been diagnosed with um, bipolar disorder. And he had kind of a manic episode where he caught his wife cheating on him in the bathroom and he beat the shit out of the guy she was having sex with in the bathroom. And so he got, he just, he's been what, like maybe nine months? Nine, nine, nine months, months since um, in the psychiatric institution. He's just come out and he's just trying to like, he's got like this really like optimistic kind of you know, look on life or seemingly optimistic look on life because he's trying to change everything up. He's trying to get his ex-wife back. He's trying to get closer with his parents. He's trying to kind of fix everything, you know? And then he meets Jennifer Lawrence's character who's kind of like the opposite. She's kind of like, life is shit, but I'm content with that. Like she's she's kind of accepted how life is. Whereas Pat is like, no, I can do this. Like they have this kind of clashing conflict and uh, shit happens. So it's just... Yeah, I feel like you're glazing over a lot of stuff, but yeah. <laughs> I know, um, but we'll get to that. So I want to do a new thing where whenever we talk about a new film, I do like little like fun facts because we're just going to read the IMDb trivia <laughs> in the beginning. It took five years and 25 rewrites before David O. Russell could direct the film because Sidney Pollack told him that it was difficult to have a film that's altogether like emotional, funny, and romantic altogether. Jennifer Lawrence won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama for this film, and she fell off the stage, famously. This film was shot in 33 days. The Russian translation of this film title is My Boyfriend is a Psycho. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Is actually... How do you you say My Boyfriend is a Psycho? In in Russian? Yeah. Fuck, I don't remember the exact translation of the film. I think it was something like "my parent psychopath." I don't know if that. My boyfriend that... is a psycho. <laughs> but yeah, this is literally how they translated the film. <laughs> Zoe Deschanel and Vince Vaughn were early considered to play Tiffany and Pat Ooh, in the beginning. Zoe Deschanel would be. A It'd be great... too on the nose, I think. Wow, that would be a pretty interesting choice. I think she's too yippee. She's too like, like I think Jennifer Lawrence has this like cynicism. Yeah, she does. It's a it's a tone as well. She she speaks. Angelina Jolie was also considered for singing. I I think I'm safe to say that I'm really happy with the casting. I think it's Mm. great. Um, They have good chemistry together. They have great. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the story. So I think the story is so compelling. It's like got this perfect setup, got perfect characters, and it's told so organically. Nothing feels boring about this movie. It's just. It's 
so random. And I think there's a difference between like, 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 do you know, you know, the like saying like, oh, it's a slice of life type mm. thing. Yeah. I think this is applicable to this. And I think people can equate slice of life films as movies, movies about nothing, but like, it's about literally just people, like people and life. No, it's and about things life. Yeah. yeah. I'm sucker for these types oh, of films. Me fucking Especially too. Animes. I just think everything flows so naturally, like the progression of Pat throughout the story, all the events he has to do. And it's got such a like, I don't, I think the reason, hang on, I need to calm down. <laughs> so when it comes to like my favorite films, I have like a film that I like love with my heart that like if I was a different, if I hadn't watched this film, I would be a completely different person. I'd be on a completely different path. And this film is like who I am as a person, but I don't watch those films as often. I just like love them and then watch them like every couple months and then like, but don't revisit them as often. That makes Silver sense, Linings yeah. Playbook is the other type of film, which is the film that I can watch over and over again. That makes me laugh. That makes me cry. That makes me feel like, like inspired that it, it makes, it just makes me so happy. And I could watch it literally. I think I've watched it at least 50 times. Like I've loved it. I love it. I love it so much. And Silver Linings Playbook is like that film for me where I just could watch it forever. Like one thing I love about, and we'll get into the writing now. The one thing I think that this film has like really made an imprint on me is dialogue specifically because I love like this kind of dialogue and, and David or Russell's films are all like this, especially in The Fighter and Joy where the dialogue is so rhythmic. Like it's got this kind mm. of like back and forth. It feels like, like there's a room of pots and pans and you throw a ball against it and it all like bounces on all of them. That's what like this dialogue feels like and I love it. And it's, and I think like people like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach try to mimic that a little bit, but it doesn't feel as natural because it wants you to pay attention to everything that's going on. And I feel like this one is kind of like, there's like a point A, point B to it, but there's, it feels so natural and it feels like unrehearsed. It feels like they're just having a conversation. They also have that like, like the love story going through it with Jennifer Lawrence and, and Bradley Cooper's character. But it's so peripheral at the same time. Like it's the main story. And I think this is very much like advertised as like, this is a love story, romantic comedy. But it's so not like it's the love story is like definitely a big part of it. But it's not like the main part of Pat's journey. Like It only is in the sense that he's getting over Nikki, like his ex-girlfriend and ex-wife rather rom-com situations like romantic stuff work when two characters combat with each other and settle out their differences to form a relationship it doesn't work when one character is the main one and the other one is just either worshiping them or completely ignoring them and i love that tiffany is so critical of him the whole movie and but like oh it's just so good it's just so good i love this movie I could talk forever, so you guys need to talk now. I'm just listening. I'm just literally just listening to you. Just like that's because I love this movie so yeah, this much. Yeah, this I was listening as well. It's just I just love it. But it's have so you, have good. you seen the film, dude? Uh, yeah, but it's been a long time ago, actually. So. Do you like the film? Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's a good film. <laughs> I also just love the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so good. There's a Led Zeppelin song in it. There's an oh, Alabama really? shit. Yeah, yeah. When he's having like a meltdown. And he's like, that's that's playing in the attic, and he loses his shit. Bradley Cooper gives the performance of his fucking life. He's just fucking electric as Pat. Like he just and like there's this specifically in the scenes when he's talking to his therapist, 
And his therapist is kind of like telling him off. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you need to do this. Why are you treating her like this? And he's asking her questions. And this look on Pat's face, he's like a little kid. You know when like a little kid knows like he has to do the right thing, but doesn't want to. He like communicates that look so well. Like he's so good. And I think people think the, the mark of a great actor is when they can freak out and cry and do all the shit. And he does do that in the film very well. But it's when he can just like, subtle acting. subtly be this like and he's such a child as well when they dance at the end it's the most fucking awkward thing they're so bad they like the lighting is like this weird purple like white lighting and they just fucking prance around the stage doing all this weird shit and everyone's fucking horrified like the parlay bet is riding on them and i think the idea what i love about this is like the rehearsals they don't seem that bad they seem quite all right and so they kind of give you this hope of like oh it'll be okay and i like that we're kind of in the family's shoes and that we don't really know what we're gonna watch we're kind of like okay like we've seen them rehearse but they're not like too bad where it's like embarrassing that they're gonna lose it's like this kind of bad where you're watching it and you're just like oh my god please be a little less shit than you are then you'll be all right and it kind of goes like this and it's the most anxiety inducing thing fucking ever it's so awkward and then it keeps cutting back to the family oh my god and then you have that weird shot where they're just like dancing with the camera it's so fucking weird and i love it i love it so much i need to applaud that thank you that was a chronicle it's a great film i love it so much i could talk forever should about... we take a break <laughs> no no we should do perks we should do perks because i'll probably have i have more to talk about with perks i have more so... like kind of more solemn things to say about perks because I've, like... I've, I've got some questions for you that i somewhat don't get with perks is it the fucking david bowie thing because i have a retort for that no, I love the David Bowie scene. It's iconic as fuck. I know, but I think I'm gonna be like, why doesn't she know the song? Okay, that's it. Okay, that, okay. Thanks for reminding me. No, we'll I'm get into that, that in a second. Wait, we need to talk about who made it. Who's in it? Uh, Steven Chbosky. Chbosky's in it. He, he wrote also, the. He also wrote, wrote the book. Actually, actually. Have you read it? No. Isn't he in the film? No. It, it, oh no, that's uh, another film. Maybe that's Paper Towns. <laughs> we won't talk about Paper Towns. No. Yeah, so like, yeah, so we've got we've got Charlie, the main character, who's played by Logan Lerman, young Logan, um, Emma Watson, George Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Miller, George Ezra, no Ezra Miller, George Ezra, Ezra Miller, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd, Dylan McDermott, Katara is in the film. Oh yeah, the girl that plays Katara is in the film. Is she? She plays, you know, Mary Elizabeth, the like kind of girl with the shaved hair. Yeah, she's the emo she girl. Katara. Yeah, the emo girl, the Buddhist. That's the her. Buddhist. She's a Buddhist. Wait, that's the, that's Katara. Yeah, from she plays the Katara. Film. Yeah. Oh my god, she's so different. Um, yeah, Nic- the- Nicholas Braun, fucking cousin Greg from Succession, is in this film. <laughs> cousin Greg, yeah, yeah. cousin Greg is in this film. Nina Dobrev from The Vampire Diaries is in this film. Mm. But, but yeah, um, the film is good. It, it's filmed in so the, the 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 story takes place in eighties, right? Does it? Nineties, ninety one. Oh, and it's filmed in the exact same way. It's super analog. Um, oh yeah. Wait, let's read out some trivia first. Oh, yeah, that's true. I want to do trivia. <laughs> okay. Emma Watson reported that she took the, she only took the role because Stephen Chbosky, the director and writer of the film, told her that not only is this going to be one of the most important parts you're ever going to play, but you're going to have the summer of your life and meet some of the best, uh, meet some of your best friends. She also reported that that claim came true. Oh my god, this is one trivia thing that I need to talk about right now. We need to take a moment. So 
John motherfucking Hughes was supposed to initially direct this film. Oh, yeah. uh, who's, who's that? He directed The Breakfast Club, oh, okay. Pretty in Pink, etc. All the 80s, All the 80s like, high school films. He was supposed to direct it. Oh, okay. um, and he was originally going to make a dark comedy. And he was going to star Shia LaBeouf as Charlie. Um, and Kirsten Dunst as Sam. Ooh. And um, Patrick Fugit as Patrick. He's the kid from Almost Famous. Um, he was going to cast him as Patrick. Oh. Oh, ew, no, fuck, shut up. But John Hughes died. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Fate obviously didn't want him to direct this film. And he couldn't finish the, the script. So then um, it was reviewed and made into an independent film. And Stephen Chbosky returned to write and direct it. Are you glad that happened? Yes. That John Hughes yes, died. I am. That John Hughes died. That you yeah. Glad that he died? Listen, this film is the reason that I am a filmmaker. Oh, want to be filmmaker right now? This film is the reason that I love movies so much. If John Hughes hadn't died, I wouldn't have liked this film. Therefore, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Fair enough. <laughs> this podcast wouldn't exist if John Hughes hadn't died. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rest in peace, my guy. Um, the list of books that Mr. Anderson gives Charlie throughout the movie are The Stranger by Albert Camus, On the Road by Jack um, Kerouac. Oh, Jack Kerouac. Ker- Love that Kerouac. book. The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, Ooh. A Separate Piece by John Knowles, Walden by Henry David Thoreau, and Catcher in the Rye by fucking J.D. Salinger, ah. the original book in which this film and, and book was based on, which is... Yeah, pretty clear when you read the original novel. It's kind of it's very very similar. A good lineup it's, of books. Especially, have you read Catcher in the Rye, guys? Yeah, no. Um, it's very similar. It's about like a boy in the fifties, and he hates everything, and he gets sexually molested very, by a teacher. It's very angsty and um, edgy. The book of Perks is so much more explicit. There's literally a whole scene where Charlie reveals to trigger warning. By the way, if no one's listening to this, there's a whole scene where Charlie reveals to Sam and Patrick that he accidentally watched. A, a guy rape a girl in his bedroom when his sister was holding a party. Yeah, it's really... And also, Charlie in the book is way more, like, kind of angsty. Kind of like how um, Holden is in Catcher in the Rye. Um, but I want to quickly talk about why I love this film so much. So, so let's start with performances. Oh, yeah, I feel I'm, I fully, like, believe, like, Logan Lerman's character. He's not just awkward for for no reason and that would get into awkward situations for no reason so like when he's for the example that's very early in the scene there's a uh, american football scene Mm -hmm. the way he just holds the drink and nachos (laughs) is is and he's like kind of like cowering in himself literally me because like no one else does that (laughs) no one eats it, like, he's holding it with both hands like this like kind of cupping them yeah and i just like i like that how he's awkward and like he's he's so isolated in such a massive like group of people and you can really see it you just yeah it's like yeah, oh my god just something something as simple as just holding the and there's so much secondhand drink. embarrassment i didn't see i didn't see the secondhand I embarrassment i just saw i just saw like someone who's not. not like an asshole who's just alone it's someone who's like oh he needs some he needs some you know support you know yeah that's what i mean like it's not secondhand embarrassment in that ew that's so cringe it's more like oh, god i've been there kind mm, of yeah feeling. yeah and then and then like the next scenes where when they go to like a party as well and he get, does oh, he get yeah. high yeah you get, he, yeah, he, he gets, gets high. high he's like so innocent like, I know. You know, he's like i want a milkshake and it makes me want to have a milkshake when i see this why thing. does the band have letterman jackets it's not a sport <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> and i also i like that he's like 
like these he's like so okay so get some context to the scene like he goes to this party and he meets the gang the group and there's like a scene where he's like put on the spot kind of where he's sitting alone like like this and cross-legged yeah and he's it's i don't know it's kind of like it's kind of like a performance like he's trying like like a this i'm a i'm a good person be my friend type thing and i I like that everyone's like not judging him they're just like just watching this weird guy but they don't know he's like oh he's kind of odd but we like him he's cool let's get him into the fold and And his acting is like so subtle but so different from like other things he's been in like he's so that character I mean, yeah, but like, you know what I mean? Like, he's just so like this, like, want I want to be invisible character, but also he wants to stand out and he mm. wants to make friends and he wants to dance. Oh my god, when he dances at the fucking dance and he goes, like, he does like this thing, and it's like, oh my god. And then they don't call him weird. They're just like, oh, like let's dance. Like, oh my god, I love this movie. Emma Watson is alright. <laughs> you actually mentioned this quite a lot. Like, she she's just she's all right. She's not. I think she's crazy. Big, aside right? from maybe her like moments in the film, I think she's probably the weakest. I feel like she film. doesn't is not as involved though. But she is. She's as she's involved in, she, as she, everyone. She's else. involved when it's needed with the pro- the development of Charlie. But I don't know like she does her own thing a lot. But so do all the other characters. But, but here's the thing: I I would I like the friendship between who's George uh, Ezra Miller's character Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, I like their relationship together, especially that scene. This, who? Um, Charlie's and Patrick. Yeah, me too. I like that more than. I mean, Sam's. well, because it's like a friendship. It's not like a I, like Charlie's in love with Sam. Yeah, but I, yeah, I'm like if some like sometimes like oh, I see it quite often, but I like the bond between the friends that they have the yeah. two, and especially the scene where, which is handled pretty well, you know, where okay, so a bit of context. Patrick is gay, mm-hmm. and there's a point where he's at a breaking point, and he's like. Mm-hmm. He's also, telling him everything that's happened. Yeah, with he's, Brad. he's being very vulnerable to Charlie. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> is this is this this is the bit where they they they're just they they're friends again, right after the? Yeah, it's when they start right after they start to be being friends again, and then they start to hang out a lot together. Mm, I like yeah, he's more open, and like there's a scene where he kisses Charlie, mm-hmm. which was cut out. Character. I have the DVD version, and I got it here, out? and it was cut out because oh. I, I got I, it here. I like that because that's not really talked about much or shown much, like friends, and then one of them is. Des- like not desperate but like emotionally looking for some kind of connection yeah know? and then he's like no I'm not like that and then he's like yeah I know but and then they bond and it's, 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 like, it's a nice little it's... little segment to that and I think to this film's incredible credit what is essential to any coming of age film I think and this is a coming of age film is that it can't be about one pivotal event it mm. needs to be about like what cause, yeah, because that, cause what when, is your teenhood cause, yeah because when you're coming of age it's not a one thing it, yeah. you're experiencing multiple things everything and yeah it's, it's really good at balancing and juggling a lot of things and keeping those relevant while not overshadowing any of the other yeah. like, topics and I think why like because there are other films that like try to be this in a similar way and it feels awkward because it feels like everyone's lives revolve around one thing and I'm like no like That's what teenager is like let's all focus on this event for like several weeks and I'm like this so I want to I'm going to talk about how much is cut out of this film and that kind of like and kind of segues into how different this film is from the book because it's completely different oh like, okay yeah so it wasn't like different. some from the film itself was cut they're like oh there's just small little scenes in there where if they had kept even one scene in it would have changed the whole movie completely 
And I just think it's so interesting that this man could write this in a book, in a novel, have it be out for 20, 21 years, film it all, and then think, hmm, no, let's cut off the dead, let's cut off the fat, bruh. And it completely reshapes the movie entirely. And he made the conscious decision to make Charlie a more likable character than he is in the book, in my opinion. What's so unlike about like He's about really, him he's in, more in similar book. to Holden Caulfield. He's really angsty. He's really cynical. He thinks everything's shit all the time. He purposefully like makes people uncomfortable because he feels shit about his life. And mm. he's very graphic and like about his sexual desires for Sam about, cause like they, they, he, he's very, um, explicit about like the book is way more explicit when it comes to his sexual uh assault that that is revealed at the end of the film it's it's more more clear about that and so they wanted kind of i think initially when he wrote the book he wanted to get across like this is what how is it it has affected in this way whereas in the film it's kind of more it's more like presented that um kind of right at the end really but like it's kind of strung quietly through the movie but it's really quite obvious at the end that charlie's sexual trauma has caused him to feel confused when he's entering something sexual not stunted like he still feels sexual desires for sam and he, and he has attraction to sam and he kisses sam it's a more like palatable way to introduce this character and it's so much better and it makes charlie so much more likable mm. and i think it's so interesting that he read his own work and went this doesn't work. Like, let's make it into this and how great that and iconic it made this film, you know? Mm. I just think that's such a weird thing to happen. Is good. Um, has, he ever, has he made, like, films before that? No, this is his first so that's, film. Yeah, that's interesting. He's, like, he's got, like, a new perspective on, like, how he's mm. translating his book into film. I've got questions for the end. Maybe because, okay, I've only seen it an, an, a small number of times. I didn't clock it. Mm, in I the did, film, yeah. Yeah, I didn't clock the fact that that happened. And I was a little conf- I was, it's really good in good the way like it's told as if the aunt was a nice person and very caring and stuff. But I d- I didn't clock it until the very end. Like I was like, yeah, why? Like really? And I, I, it wasn't. I don't maybe because also it wasn't explained outright. Maybe yeah. I'm kind of uh, glad clock, I didn't. I didn't do that. clock it either. Yeah. The way I found out about it is I I read up the Wikipedia book review. I watched the film before I read the book. I knew that something that the aunt had like perpetrated, had done something to Charlie, but because I didn't have like the full knowledge of what sexual assault was, if it, what, 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 what was it that a pair, um, a family member could do that to you? I didn't fully grasp that. And I think that's also why I didn't get it. But looking back now, they really, really try to like hide mm. that, like, not be too obvious with what happened. I think this, they did that on purpose because they wanted to market this as like a coming of age film with Emma Watson in it, with with all these cute actors in it. And like usually when a film talks about this like Precious or like any of these kind of like similar thread films about sexual violence or like whatever, they're like kind of gritty and R-rated. And like, I just think that they didn't know how to involve this very important part of the story in this kind of like quirky coming of age film. And I think it would have brought the tone down a lot. Like this film is already really dark, like has lots of like slow, like contemplative reflective content. And there's a really intense scene where he has like a mental breakdown, which the editing in that scene, Oh my god, it's so good. Where he's on the phone with his sister. Yeah. yeah. The editing is great in that scene. Davey, your thoughts? Um, I love this film. What I love about this film is the atmosphere of 90s yeah. of Pittsburgh. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Um, and just the, the atmosphere of, 
of high school, of uh, teenagers and whatnot, and how beautifully it sh- it is shown in the in the film itself. The soundtrack is amazing. Oh yeah, that 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 iconic scene. Oh, Can I quickly talk about that scene? Can we please quickly talk about that? All right, it, so though? Dylan, tell me your thoughts. Okay, so there's a scene. There's a scene where the three of them, uh, Sam, Charlie, and Patrick, driving a car. Okay, so they're listening to stuff like Come and Eileen bang a song <laughs> in the same caliber, and then, and then they put on the radio, and Heroes by David Bowie comes on. And they're like, what's this song? I've never heard this before. <laughs> and it's fine, but it's like a bit weird. Like, you've never heard of Heroes by David Bowie. It's a bit... Two things about this film I'm going to say to defend. Number one, number one is that in the book, the original song that plays when they're in the car is not Heroes by David Bowie. It's actually Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Really? Yes. Oh my God. That would and, be so much better in the yes. film. <laughs> and it kind of makes a bit more sense because it didn't have this, a sim- the same hype as David Bowie. It was in the 60s. And that would it, make sense. It would that be would like, this sense. is music our parents listen to. Like it would have made sense. However, Landslide does not have remotely the same vibe as Heroes by David Bowie. No, it's, atmosphere, that song it's slow. It's that more scene. reflective. It's quite melancholic. Whereas Heroes is like the sound of the future, baby. It's fucking, you're soaring in through a fucking tunnel in the middle of the night with your best friend. Which we did. Which we recreated. Whatever, I think Landslide is better. Oh my god, really, David? Yes. Can you imagine that same feeling at the end of the film? Where it's like, we are infinite. And the landslide (laughs) brought me down. They could have done a cover. Oh, river in the sky. Did they drive in the tunnel in the book and yeah. they played this song? Yeah. What is nice. love? Okay, so yeah, they, but I have a feeling they could have made it, they could have chosen another song equally as like atmospheric that was like a little later, but. Yes. However, goes. this is my second response to that. Mm-hmm. Is that have y'all heard of a little Italian film called Christian F? What was it about? It's about this like girl who gets into like drugs and then it's she, a German film. It's is it German or Italian? It's a German film. A German film. <laughs> I thought it was Italian for some reason. There's a bit where that's like a really famous scene from that film where her and her boyfriend and like a bunch of other people are like running through this mall and they uh, play like David Bowie heroes. Yeah. Oh I've I've seen I've seen that scene, yeah. That is supposed to be like a reference to that. Okay. But okay, yeah, but I, I just feel like they could have just like slightly just altered the dialogue a little. Like, I've like never heard they this song just before. Been like, oh my God, I know this song. What's it called? Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> goes, fair goes. I would have been fine with that. It's just the fact that they were like, I've never, like, I've never heard this song before. What is it? It's great. <laughs> Why does this line then, bothers you so much? Because it's because they listen to Come On Eileen to that level of like, <laughs> what's that? What is that? Eileen. Come on, Eileen. Come on. Bangs on. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's like, that's how right, the music. Right, daddy, chill. I'm just 20. <laughs> but, but, also, but, but it's also strange that they were like, yeah, I like, I listen to like old music or I listen to this type of music. Yeah. David fucking Bowie, you know. They probably knew who David Bowie was. They probably just didn't know it was <laughs> by him. Kind of, I, I have no like, issues with it now, but, but I just find it kind of funny. But like when I was their age, I didn't know who David Bowie is. Well, to be fair, it would be like if we didn't know who Justin Bieber was. Like, this that? baby, like, oh my God, what's that song? I've never <laughs> heard of it. Oh my god! Like, I, can, you imagine, can you imagine if they made I, like a Perks of Being a Warfare type film, but like for modern times? Imagine Dragons. No, they're not popular enough. Coldplay or something. Something by Coldplay. Oh, Coldplay. Maybe Yellow. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it would be or Paradise yellow. or something. It would be mm, 
yellow probably. It'll be yellow and then they'd be driving and it'll be like, and it was all yellow and then they'd be like, well, I what's this song? I don't know it. <laughs> okay, to be fair, I would, I, I would, I would have asked like what that song is because I, really? I, I'm not really. A... I would have just shazam, shazam. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, perks of being a wallflower made now, but they can just shazam the song. On the radio. Wait, that would have made for a really comic comedic scene. That actually. would be something. Whoa, what's the song? Hang on, guys, I got you. <laughs> Instead of cassettes, they'd be making Spotify playlists. Oh my god, oh my god. that'd be kind of cool, you know. Yeah, it's that. just Charlie, but he's and like making TikToks. I've been making Spotify playlists, so she'll know how I feel. <laughs> and recording <laughs> podcasts. <sighs> yeah, should we wrap up? Yeah. <laughs> All right, those are my least favorite films. And my favorite films. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. This has been the Film School Vets podcast. We are now available on Apple Podcasts after five weeks. We're finally on Apple Podcasts. Woo! Yay! Um, Please feel free to follow. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please write a review or even just do a little rating. That really helps us out. And we'll see you in the next one. We'll talk about more film school topics Mm. probably next time. I... Deuces. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Film School Vets podcast. You can find us on Instagram at the Film School Vets underscore podcast and on TikTok at the Film School Vets podcast. If you liked our podcast, be sure to leave a review and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much.